Hi, thank you. Um, I'm presenting a paper called Responditive Sampling as a Recruitment Method, and it's uh, co-authored by myself and Rajan Azati. So first, let me apologize. I'm going to have to, in the interest of time, skip through half of these slides, but um, hopefully it will still be clear. So the relevance of this paper as a larger question is how do we get individuals to participate in a survey? So this paper tries to, uh, based on two studies done with the Themis project, evaluate respondent-driven sampling as a recruitment method. And I've highlighted here recruitment method only because we will not talk about uh, the weighting that's done in RDS. And apologies, I'll skip through Themis because I presume all of you know what their project is about. Uh, just to emphasize that, uh, this study is based on the data collection in the countries of settlement. Uh, and there are 12 corridors, and for the entire project, we wanted to do use a common sampling methodology uh, in the quantitative data collection phase. So what is respondent-driven sampling? It's essentially a chain referral sampling based on the respondents' networks, and uh, respondents are asked to recruit their peers directly, so without any intervention by the uh, researchers. And the second thing I just want to point out is that it's incentive driven. So when we were doing our recruitment, we offered incentives for participating in the study, and that's what we call primary incentives, and also for each person that they recruit to the study, and those are called secondary incentives. Uh, this is just a diagram of the chain that you can see, and we, we initially choose somebody in the population that we call a seed, and this person can uh, recruit up to three people, and so on and so forth. You see the different waves. So these are the 12 corridors, uh, as we call them, in uh, Themis, but this paper is based on our work in Norway, uh, trying to recruit Brazilians and Ukrainians uh, in the city of Oslo. Uh, this paper is based on these two populations because they are of a similar size. There are 800 registered Brazilians uh, in Oslo and 600 Ukrainians. And our target was to interview 200 of each of these groups to correspond with the rest of the larger project. So to get into how we actually ran the RDS, we started with three seeds that we took from the target populations. We gave them a short presentation about what our project is about uh, and how the procedures would go on, how they would recruit, and then we interviewed them with our survey. Uh, after the interview, we offered them a, a small compensation, 150 kroner gift card, that's about 19 euros, and a flyer explaining the project so that they could use that to recruit further. And they were, up, able to, they were allowed to recruit up to two people. We gave them coupons that they would pass along to their peers. So I'm going to start off showing the Brazilian recruitment. Uh, we started our data collection in January 2012, as you can see here. Uh, we decided to start with Brazilians because based on the qualitative uh, phase that we had done before with their interviews, we found them to be a close-knit community. They were interested in our project, so we thought, okay, this will be the easiest group compared to the other groups that we had to recruit from. So we started with three seeds. They had two coupons, and they were interviewed at our offices in central Oslo. After about three weeks, we didn't get the numbers that we wanted, so we allowed them further respondents to recruit up to three people. 
Then we extended the expiry date of the coupons because initially you couldn't come back with a coupon if it had already expired. I think initially we had one week, 10 days, and then we extended it to two weeks. And we tried extending it further to try to make things easier for recruitment. Now we made it even easier for them by, originally we were interviewing everyone at our offices, which we thought were, was simple because we're really centrally located, but to make it even easier, we had a centralized phone line that people could call and make an appointment and be interviewed where they wanted to and at the time of their choosing. Then finally, we also tried to, we allowed people, based on feedback from respondents and from the seeds, to pass along their coupon numbers by email or by SMS instead of them having to physically meet people to give the coupons. But as you can see, if you can see the numbers here, uh, after four months, we had only reached 30 respondents. Uh, this is not, at this point, we asked the larger team if we could try alternative methods. And we were granted that, thankfully. <laughs> so uh, the results, before I get into that, I'm going to show you the Ukrainian and the Brazilian results together, just to say that we started the Ukrainian study a couple months after the Brazilians, using the same procedures that we had developed. So on the blue line you can see here is uh, what I showed you in the previous graph up to the stars, where we stopped RDS. And then afterwards, we used regular snowball methods and advertising through the embassy, things like that. Uh, and we managed to get uh, more interviews conducted with the Brazilians. With the Ukrainians, which is the red line, you can see that we only used RDS, and we didn't modify the procedures that much. So naturally, this is why we were interested in writing this paper, is why did it work for one group and not the other? They're about the same size in Oslo. So in our paper, we talk about seven different aspects, but I'm only going to go through a few of them, uh, the ones that might possibly explain the differences. So I'll go through number two, five, six, and seven. So sorry, you'll see extra information on the following slides. Single component networks. So this is a requirement for RDS because the uh, respondents, there must be ties among the population that were dense enough to sustain the chain referral process. So we have all this data that we collected from the survey. So we could see, on average, what were the, uh, the size of the networks and the population that the respondents had access to. So these are the actual questions that we asked them in the survey, and we referred to these as uh, weak and strong ties. And you can see between the Brazilians and the Ukrainians, the average number was similar, so that couldn't explain why it worked for the Ukrainians but not the Brazilians. But there is a possible explanation if there are fragmented subgroups amongst the Brazilians that don't have enough connections between each other, so perhaps we had interviewed this small subsegment that just doesn't connect. And we know, and I know there's a paper that Cindy will be presenting tomorrow about class issues on, amongst Brazilians. Uh, so we looked at the data that we did have from this survey and looked at, uh, for example, levels of education, what their current employment was, just to see if that was an issue. And we didn't find any trends. People were pretty good at recruiting a diversity of respondents. Uh, but that doesn't address possible racial or ethnic issues. Those, we didn't have questions that related to that in our survey. So that's one possibility. I'm just going to skip through these. 
I wanted to talk about the monetary incentive levels. Uh, another possibility, well, another difficulty with the incentive levels is at what level do you do you set the the amount that you're giving? Because that may the population isn't uniform, and it doesn't mean that they will be attracted by the same level. So, for example, newly arrived migrants, if they're coming from a lesser developed country, they may require a lower incentive than someone who's been integrated into the formal labor market. So what we looked at in the data was the year of arrival of our respondents, their legal status, and their current activity, the current employment or whatever they're doing. Uh, admittedly, the sample for Brazilians using RDS is small, but you can look at these rough numbers and you can see that amongst Ukrainians, a large majority of them arrived within the past five years. I think a lot of them even the past one to two years. Uh, and the majority were on permits such as study permits, au pair permits, or no permits at all. And the, the current activity, the largest group was manual and low-skilled labor. Whereas in the Brazilians, there's still quite a number that had arrived within the past five years. But uh, more significantly, the largest group were on a family reunification permit. And what that means, in Norway at least, is that they must have a family member that has a sufficient income and housing that, and that can, they can show to the government that they can sponsor this person. And though that may not mean they're not interested in the incentives that we've given, arguably Ukrainians, the students, the au pairs, the people with no permits are more interested in these incentives. And half of the Brazilians were uh, professionally employed. Get that. Uh, as I showed in that very first graph, uh, well, one section that we're talking about is how respondents experienced our research. And we tried changing the procedures to make the interview process as hassle-free as possible. And we don't know if, because the procedure was pretty much settled with the Ukrainian study, whether that made things easier or not. But one significant difference between the two groups was the length of the interviews. And this is a concern amongst the Brazilian group. The average was 72 minutes for Brazilians, whereas for Ukrainians, they were usually done in 45 minutes. Uh, the, our research assistants were, uh, our Brazilian research assistants were very frustrated by this because often what happened is that the respondents would really want to share their stories and say more than what could be captured by the questionnaire. And uh, so it was very difficult to interrupt, especially if these were difficult migration histories. Uh, we didn't find this problem amongst the Ukrainians. Uh, we even, so we conducted special training sessions with our interviews to try to coach them on ways we could politely interrupt people when they're starting to go on their migration history. It was still difficult. But we even developed a little script at the start of the interview that said to explain that, no, we cannot capture everything. The only things that we, we will take in the questionnaire are the answers, yes, no, things like that. So another aspect that we think uh, made a difference it was the peer pressure aspect of RDS because, uh, well, in uh, one of the seminal articles about RDS, there's a quote that those too affluent to care about material rewards may defer to social pressure when approached by a peer. 
which you would think is a, an advantage, but in our case, we think that perhaps the closeness of the community uh, amongst Brazilians may have actually been detrimental to this because they were close enough together that they were very sensitive of how they appeared to their peers. So we had one case where uh, uh, one respondent said, I'm only doing this because uh, I know the person who recruited me really needs the money and I don't really want that appearance to show to any of my friends so I'm not going to, she actually told us she's not going to recruit anyone else. So that is one aspect of appearing like you need the money. And then the other one was in combination with the long interviews and the burden of having to recruit further people. That really made people hesitant to try to recruit amongst their peers. So in conclusion, research participation rates depend on good interview experiences when all the respondents are connected to each other. And so RDS, because it's a peer-to-peer -peer recruitment method, is really sensitive to this. Uh, so it, it's, I mean, we felt that the Brazilian community, because they were so close, that they would be the easiest ones to recruit amongst. And, but actually, the fact that they were close-knit may have backfired on this because of the monetary incentives and the length of the interviews and the burden of recruitment. So this was a quick <laughs> overview of our paper and uh, we, I think we've shared this paper amongst the participants of, of the conference, so we really appreciate any comments on structure and things like that. And that's it, thank you.